0: Do you have that time to listen to me whine about nothing and everything all at once? I am one of those <laughs> melodramatic fools, neurotic to the bone. No doubt about it. <laughs> that I love was, that, it. That must have Sometimes been Sometimes I give gri- myself the <laughs> creeps. I love it. That's my voice tricks it, on me. It all keeps setting up. I think I'm cracking up, (laughs) am I just paranoid or am I just stoned? (laughs)
1: <laughs> we love it Andrew thank you so much for joining us that's got to be quite the intro man to get started but first up we want to do a little shout out
2: uh, yes at Skylux you can Roofing. get your flat roofs done and your and gutters and your ACM spells.
1: and you get a bunch of great guys doing an amazing job and it's all coordinated by Mark from Skylux right. Roofing so we are back home at the Skylux workshop here Skylux thank you so much Mark for uh giving us a home Uh, otherwise we'd be in the freezing cold right now right the other thing we also want to say is we want to thank everybody for listening to us it's growing the audience is growing they're all dealing
2: with you well
1: it's just how (laughs) it is man it's it's wonderful to hear that people are listening loving it enjoying it and asking for more and we got your messages and everything and we, we will eventually be videotaping these and getting them further along and building them up but now we want to go back to a Canadian idol I guess
2: <laughs> I'll bring my guitar next time. Oh, I love it! Nice. You should have.
1: So we have Andrew from Luso Design. Andrew, why don't you give us a lowdown about yourself and how you got started in the business? How Lusos got started and then what you guys do and everything like that? Because today we want to talk about doors. Exterior doors. Yeah, actually, doors.
0: mostly doors. Because you've had a really, really cool podcast about doors and windows, but it ended up being kind of mostly about windows. It
1: was mostly about windows. And yeah,
0: I, I thought it'll be pretty cool to chime in on because i specialize specifically in doors only i don't do windows and funnily enough uh, while these industries kind of get piled up together they're actually two separate industries separate manufacturer companies similar materials but different products why
1: did you choose just to go to doors like we're talking about the main front entry door but you also do side doors back doors doors okay all kinds of doors so why did you okay how long you been in construction?
0: On my own since 2009. Another four working for someone else before that. So it's kind of funny.
1: Same industry.
0: Same industry, adjacent industry. Okay. Uh, I used to do door glass, door inserts, uh, wrought iron door inserts. You know, something that people put in brand new house. They got builder's door. They cut the doors. They put the glass into them. 15 years ago or so, when we moved to the country, and I basically needed a job. Funnily enough, I actually have a finances and banking degree. <laughs> five years, uh, bachelor's and everything. So how from, do you go from banking to doors? Because I a, you went out the door. Exactly. <laughs> well, so what happened is, is moving from Russia, uh, I basically we got here no money no nothing started from zero i worked pretty much i think from like the first week i got off the plane i needed a job so i think the first summer um i ended up working for landscaping for about maybe two three months i was constantly going back and forth because i was actually still in university finishing up university back in moscow uh, financing finances and banking Finances, financial okay. analysis All i right. used to be able to do calculus in my head and now i don't anyways uh you and- don't need
1: it in the door business anyway not really. No.
0: <laughs> I got my calculator and Google assistant. <laughs> yeah, I know. Isn't it horrible? <laughs> <laughs> Was flying back and forth. And the first, the first summer I worked in landscaping, I go back, come back to Canada. I, the company that I used to work for doesn't exist anymore. And uh, I ended up doing, basically helping this guy who used to do uh, door inserts, just basically drive around. And I started as a helper, basically, eventually graduated to an installer, worked with him for a little while. And then eventually um, realized that I'd be happier on my own. That's when I started my own. That was 2009. So finally enough, this is actually 10 years, Ten years on my own. that yeah. you started wow. on your own and Good you started you. Lusa. Yeah. So, so it used to be Luso Glass. So okay. Luso is an Italian word. L U S S O. It means luxury, and so what but happens? But you're Russian. But I'm Russian. So I'm, where's the Italian connection? I'm yet another person not pretending to be Italian, but um, <laughs> got <laughs> it. So no, my actually my <laughs> both parents they uh, speak f- uh, fluent Italian because they used to work as interpreters, both of them. So you speak Italian. I swear in Italian. Got it. You know what's uh, fun- most contractors You know what's do. funny
2: about Europe? My mother went to school in Russia. She mm-hmm. studied math also there. But everyone in Europe speaks like five or six different languages. Like everyone, all my cousins all speak Spanish
0: and French and English and Italian. and. A lot of them are like adjacent, I guess, families. My dad speaks five or six languages, but he finished one of the top universities back in Moscow for wow. languages. When I started on my own, what I wanted to do was something a little bit more custom, something a little bit more interesting. Just as I was studying on my own, the industry of door inserts was transitioning into more mass manufacturer cookie cutter off the truck kind of garbage kind of stuff was not really what I wanted to do so when I started on my own I wanted to do something that was a little bit more custom a little bit more drawings and and made from scratch made locally as opposed to be being brought from overseas which is basically what it is right now mostly what happened is I started on my own uh, doing inserts, I was doing them for a couple of years. Within two years, I realized that the door insert industry is going in a completely opposite direction from where I want to be. Where so, are they
1: going? Mass produced cheap.
0: So what happened? You've had a few guys decided to start bringing stuff from China because it used to be, say, go 14, 15 years ago, uh, those inserts used to be locally made. So you got local blacksmiths, you got local glass companies, you got everything. Made from scratch. Pretty nice quality people actually being very proud of what they do. And then, of course, someone decided, oh, we're going to bring it from China for a quarter of the cost and make Hmm. that much more money.
1: As you would.
0: So what happened is... um, Lose quality. You lose quality. You lose many... things along the way. Um, What happened is one guy started bringing in, another guy decided to bring it in, another guy decided to bring it in. Next thing you know, you have four guys stuck with container loads of uh, glass inserts and they thought, okay, locally made inserts cost $650, $700, let's say for like a full size insert. The production cost of $450 doing it here, you go to $150 doing it in China, you make double the money. Wow. Is
1: that $150 including the shipment and getting it here?
0: If you bring like enough the of them, which is what they want. They, they're not going to sell you two or 10. They, they want you to buy container load. So what happened is, is that there were so many of them that all suddenly got stuck with the volume, got stuck with all of the stock and they started lowering the price. They kind of got into a little bit of a price worse with each other. Uh, a couple of them went out of business. The other thing that happened is they realized that they still don't have enough sales to move that volume. So they started wholesaling it to anyone because it used to be a pretty closed down industry so you'd basically have maybe a dozen retailers you'd have some companies that specialize specifically in manufacturing so you can buy from someone who would do all of the legwork because the production is spread about four or five companies you've got metal guys powder coating glass tempering for glass so, of course, you can go to someone and they'll do all the legwork for you, but it costs you. What happened is the industry kind of went down because you've had suddenly so many people because these guys started wholesaling to anyone. And so you have people selling them off the truck. So they no just warranty, saturated no the industry. Yeah. And the cost, the retail went from 650 700 to 350 400 So now the same people who started bringing it in thinking they're going to make more money are crying that they're not making enough because the retail prices went down so much. About two years in, right, 2011, I realized, oh, that's the trend. And I don't want to be there. I don't want to be there um, selling garbage off the truck uh, on the corner of the street. Then I get, well, how do I evolve? The next kind of adjacent industry was, you know, tackle bigger projects, going to entire doors. That ended up being so much more complicated because it's one thing when you just have an existing door you cut it you put the glass into it you rebalance the door you got to re-add more support because you're adding that much more weight to it pretty much it so then now we're dealing with entire doors you've got more manufacturers that you're dealing with more suppliers you've got a product that's a lot more complex i would say it took me about five years at least to get the gist of it to get to the point where i would say okay I went through five factories building doors. There's one that I'm comfortable working with because one, they have quality product. Two, they get what I want. Also, all sorts of components and materials and types of doors that exist. Unfortunately, what I see myself, every component manufacturer is going to say that their product is the best in the world. Well, yeah, because they need to sell it. And then uh, when you have an issue with it, they're going to shift the blame to whoever else, even when it's pretty much clear that it's a product failure. And this is a very kind of a big issue with the industry is there's so many people involved. You've got typically a factory that manufactures the actual doors, salesmen who are selling these doors to retail clients. You've got installers who are installing these doors. So basically what happens is salesman gets a lead, sells God knows what. They just, they have five in a book, pushes it off into the system. Then the door actually gets bid between separate factories to try and see whoever can get it made for the lowest price. And then you get an installers too, who are typically subcontractors. Very often you would see actually companies bidding between the installers who can install it for the lowest price. Then when the customer has an issue, the installer would blame the factory, the factory would try and figure out. Okay, and, what the f-
1: what like really this? So this is the door industry. This is how the door. So you saw all
2: this. This is a lot of bullshit, but this isn't over one year. This is over a few years, five years
0: that the, you saw this so five years that I've been getting the gist of it. I've been dealing with entire doors for about eight years now. So
1: you got started in the business working for something that was similar to the door industry, saw some bullshit there, decided to go on your own, mm-hmm. decided to go with doors and focus on doors inserts at first and then get into doors themselves, But then you quickly learned that the door industry was taking advantage, I guess, of the market by buying crap and trying to sell it at a higher price point. But then they couldn't really move it. So then they started dropping the price and selling it into wholesale. But you didn't like that. So now you started getting into more custom stuff. But even at the custom stuff, you're getting guys that are the factories competing with the installers and the installers are competing with other... There's this whole network shit. Like, I don't...
2: But the industry changes so fast. And, you know, you could want to get into something and you think it's safe and you think you're going to make some money. The market could just change so fast.
0: Either put you under, change your customers. Like, did your customers change? Yes, over time, as i started figuring things out. So what happened as far as the going from more mass manufacture to more custom, that was regarding specifically glass. When it comes to doors, essentially most of the doors are actually built from scratch if you're doing retrofit. Every door opening is slightly different and to have it fit perfectly you got to actually build it to that specific size well but that's, that's where custom custom, right? custom is yeah but essentially every door is custom that's that's what some yeah. people don't understand so i have customers coming to me and they have and they need a single door what do you single door start at i'm like well okay so i'm in a very very basic steel door white i will start somewhere along the line of 1500 doors or so oh but at home depot they have them for 350
1: Well, then go to Home Depot, (laughs) fuck off, right? Um, It's simple as
0: that. No, I like
2: where you're going with this, because what is the difference between the doors you're putting in and the big box stores?
0: First of all, what you have in the back of Home Depot is... Garbage, but it's also very standard size, and it's also missing half of the components that you need to install it properly. The thing is, if you go to Home Depot, you quote that same door; it's not going to be fifteen hundred. It's going to be two and a half grand.
1: I just wanted to say that this show is brought to you by Home Depot. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not. No, it's not. No, it's not.
0: <laughs> but it but yeah, be. it's it's <laughs>
1: they're not comparing apples and apples. That's just the gist. Not of it, at all. Right? It's so... um
0: yeah because uh, basically if you want a door to perform well, it's going to be Built properly, it's got to be installed properly. Okay, so listen, I want to mm-hmm. get
1: into this because the thing is, I'm fascinated by doors because I've seen really expensive doors, I've seen good doors, I've have de- seen bad doors. I've never seen the doors live, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but I do like their music. Andrew, That's tell because us because you're from France. <laughs> <laughs> what? Because he's in Paris? No, uh, Andrew, tell us what makes a good door i don't want to compare it to the big box stores because it's not a comparison that's not a fair comparison i want to know, talk about what is a good door what makes a good door it's irrelevant what the size is but you tell us what makes a good door and that's what i'm assuming that you and your company makes good doors and you install good doors
0: and we install them very well because you can have the most amazing door. oh we learned, we learned that we learned that all the time
1: that you can have the best product but someone installs it crap
0: And it doesn't work properly. It doesn't work properly,
1: right? Right. So installation is a 1,000% very important in this scenario. Walk us through your doors and how good a door should be and why.
0: It's not necessarily my... Own Doors Only, uh, I mean, as I started looking, I found companies that are also quite good. So I'm not going to say that. Canadian? Oh, I'm like local re- some of the local Great. retailers. It's good to hear. Finally enough, came across some of them on Instagram. I've been trying to figure out when I started indoors, how do I make a door that will actually last a very, 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 very long time? I started with products that are very common in the industry. And then I realized, oh, they don't actually last that long at all. They are very widespread, like you have, you know, these wooden door jams, the frame of the door, and it's wrapped in plastic, but it's still wood underneath, and if it's not installed properly, that wood underneath is so cheap, and it deteriorates so fast, yet this is the most common type of door component, you see it every new house, you finally enough see it on actually doors that are supposedly good and very expensive, but they're still not. One thing that I've learned over time is which components to use. Is it okay if I go into a little bit of technical? For sure. Okay, awesome. Totally want So So uh, we've got f- essentially like three major structural components to a- any door system. So we're going to call that a door system because it's the whole thing assembled. We've got the door slab or a door panel. That's the door itself that opens and closes. Yes. We've got the door jam that goes all the way around. That's the frame of the door. And we've got the door sill underneath that is that aluminum plate. Well, nowadays it's aluminum. It used to be a piece of wood. Yeah, Yeah. threshold, exactly. Threshold did not evolve that much over the past 25 years, it's aluminum. The filler inside is uh, oftentimes wood. We're starting to switch to composite because again, we're trying to avoid water damage because mostly when things are failing bad to the point of having to be replaced, it's water damage. It's really not much else. Is that
2: from bad caulking or poor installation? I guess placement of
1: door, if the front door doesn't have a canopy over it, weather, and then you get snow built up on that threshold.
0: Canadian weather is insane. It's the uh, best Nothing like Russian weather. T- <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, but Canadian winters are
1: pretty much a great testing ground, right?
0: It's not just the winters, it's the fluctuation from summer to winter. The seasons. Expansion. Because you go contraction. from plus 25s, 30s to minus I guess. And yeah. uh, and that's that uh, does like that it racks certain materials and the products that are supposed to perform well and maybe perform well further south, they do not perform well at all. And then you've got the manufacturers saying, you know, that you're you're trying to claim that warranty on a door that's warped and it's supposed to be covered by lifetime warranty, and you followed all of the instructions and they make you jump through hoops for like six, seven months until you get tired of it and you just basically buy a replacement out of your own pocket. So true. This is, and like, this is
1: like the door mafia, like what's going on here? So, all right, so back, back to the door, the slab, okay. the frame, yeah. the threshold. So we're
0: trying to make it as durable and as long lasting as possible, which means really it not being affected by the elements as much as we can. The threshold now, a lot of times, wood gets replaced with a composite filler, which is like composite railings, not affected by water. The door jamb, the frame of the door, from that vinyl clad wood, we're switching to composite again. And this is again like composite. Re- um, How do you like a-
2: composite? Because you were saying that there's really bad wood behind there. I'm assuming that was like a pine or a cedar
0: or. What we're talking about is instead of having vinyl-clad wood, we're throwing it out. We're using something that is entirely composite. So e- even the cladding, or- there's no, no cladding. There's <laughs> the, the entire piece is a piece of composite. So it's basically kind of like plastic that's a little bit softer on the inside and has a harder kind of baked shell on the outside extruded and that stuff it's not affected by the elements it's not affected by the water this is the kind of door jam that you can throw it outside you can have the door exposed to the elements it's not going to fail on it's it. not
2: going to twist it's not going to rot it's not going to so you're saying big box stores typically carry wood still yeah wood that's with the, a... that's the difference when you're looking at a door so if i'm a homeowner that's or a one, contractor that's one difference that's one yeah, difference yeah no this is good though i should be looking at how it's built, and if it has wood in it, that's failure in the potential future.
0: Not necessarily failure immediately. It's just something that is not gonna last as long as it should, and it's very, very dependent on very good installation, which is the topic that we're gonna touch on a little bit later because this is probably even worse than building the doors themselves and installing them.
1: Oh, it? I know, I've seen bad installers. Well, I have a lot of questions for you too. I've hired bad installers. Me too. I've, I've taken bad installers to court. So I've, uh,
0: <laughs> yeah, no, that that never happened to me. Over eight years, I went for eleven cruises so far. Wow. I've been told that I'm insane. Maybe I am. No, or maybe but you're, I'm you're just... looking
1: for a standard.
0: I'm looking for a certain standard that is above what is considered normal in the industry. I'm willing to pay more for that. But what happens is...
2: No, I know what you're saying because I've hired guys and the first time they work for me, they do an amazing job. The second time, they start to slack. The third time, they're cutting corners. The fourth, I'm getting callbacks. And I can't use them again. I understand what you're going through. And they don't come
0: back when you need them to come back and fix their bullshit. Yeah, because they're
2: busy doing something else. But they already made their money and they walked away. Yeah. Yeah, and
0: they walked away and you're stuck... With a client who's not happy, and then you have to deal with it. it. I don't deal with wood, which is an amazing product if done properly, but this is an entirely different industry. We're talking, I guess I'm dealing with BMWs. Wood would be your uh, Lamborghini. So we're talking from five to $10,000 going to twenty to $30,000. For a door. For a door. For a bigger door, usually, wooden door dun, guys dun, are dun, dealing with. Yeah, <laughs> you know a, what?
2: We saw that at the Vaughn Center. Yes, the doors were over twenty five thousand. They were beautiful, though They're
0: amazing. The stuff that you beautiful can do with hinges, wood. like everything was airtight and firm. And they are on a different level. Um, the guys that are really good can make wood work in our climate. There's still certain maintenance that's involved, and. That is one of the reasons that I was thinking about getting into wood. It's a whole different level of knowledge. It took me five years to get a little bit more comfortable. I'm not really an idiot, right? Like I've been working very hard constantly to figure out a better product, not on my own, with the factories that are building my doors and we were together going through suppliers, figuring out which products we're gonna use, how to build the doors. I was very lucky enough to find people early on that actually pay attention that also started somewhat recently. The owner of the company that builds my doors right now, he used to work for another door manufacturer, a very large door manufacturer, and he actually was heading their production floor. And then he started on his own from nothing, tiny little unit building doors with his own hands, and then eventually grew. and. I was lucky enough to find them early on. This is what allowed us to slowly build up and have better product over time. So you
1: begin with the composite frame and you still have an aluminum threshold, Mm -hmm. but it has a composite backing on it? Ideally, yes. And now the door is a slab of what material? This
0: is where we've got two main times not going into wood. We've got steel and we've got fiberglass. Yes, I like this.
2: Both insulated?
0: Both insulated. Now, the funny thing is... I always thought
1: that steel insulated was a bad thing. That's Remember, what I was always taught also. Why are the two options? Um,
0: being on a podcast, it's, hard, it's like pretty awesome to be show some slides and stuff. But anyways... Um, you can, with, but nobody
1: will be able to see it. Yeah, exactly. No, I know.
0: <laughs> so, first of all, when we talk about those two doors, they're actually very similar in the way how they're made. You actually have a very thin structural frame inside. It's like a picture frame almost. And then you've got two sheets of material front and back. So with a steel door, it's a steel skin, which is actually very, very thin. Really? So a lot of people think- What kind think of gauge is that? 24 is wow. the typical uh, standard.
1: So it's not even like
2: a sink?
0: 26 is what you see on new construction, mostly builder's doors. You touch that at dents. It's good to know, I like that. Then you got 24 as, as kind of your common retail standard. And then you've got 22 as a special order, which is which is you know thicker and more resistant to dents and whatnot. So then you've got these two sheets of steel. And then you've got foam inside, polyurethane foam for insulation. And this is what most of the door is. Like 95% of a steel door, 92% of a fiberglass door, it's all foam on the inside. So a lot of people think, you know, like when you cut the door and you open it up, it's all foam inside. That structural frame is actually Well, you need a thermal break, right? Yes. And this is how they're so much cheaper than wooden doors. And this is how they are actually insulated fairly well. Because that foam is... uh, Typically R15. So you've got steel doors and you've got fiberglass doors. Now the difference with fiberglass doors is that skin, that surface of the door, is not sheet of steel anymore. A sheet of fiberglass, which is kind of that very hard plastic, I guess we can say, composite material. So fiberglass car bodies, all of that. How thick is
1: that material?
0: Typically about one-eighth of an inch. Well, that's huge thick, difference. Eh? That's a huge difference. So, the cool thing about fiberglass is you hit a fiberglass door, you're not going to leave a dent on it. No and that's uh, why i prefer
2: fiberglass and doors even more what i've learned is it doesn't conduct less than steel
0: less with steel you do have a thermal break in there it was very funny i had a client who kind of got lost completely getting quotes from like 15 different companies and trying to get to the bottom of like the actual thermal ratings of doors and um, that's a lot
2: of homework for a client
0: they were very persistent i guess
2: but it's a big investment a door is a big investment yeah, especially so your front door
0: and you're supposed to have these done like once in 20 years, right? Like your So t- life
2: expectancy is 20 years.
0: Your typical warranty structural for okay. a door will be very often 10 years. Depends on a manufacturer, depends on a retailer, many things, but that's what I see mostly. Really, it can last 20, 30 years easily if done properly. You don't really That's that's the whole idea. I don't want to come back to people I want to be able to have a door that with minimum involvement would just be there. That's kind of what I'm trying to do. There's million variables to it because moving parts, because weight, because, you know, there's so many different things that are involved in making a door and installing
1: a door. Okay, so let's get into this door, guys, Because we've got mm-hmm. the composite frame. We've got the composite aluminum threshold. We've got this steel or, or fiberglass, fiberglass slab. Is there well, an insert?
0: Uh, Sorry. Can we talk about what's better let's, still? What's yeah, let's, better? What is What's better? more efficient? Going back to that client who went for 15 retailers. So I actually ended up sitting down, sifting through actual product testing data, which turned out to be kind of available if you search deep enough for these archives. Of this is
1: a
2: steel versus fiberglass? Steel versus fiberglass. Oh, this is what I want to get to. So
0: funnily enough, it's the same thermal rating. For both steel, but and conduction is different. They are testing R value, which is a thermal value of a material, or you've got the U rating, which is that conduction, which is essentially describes how well a whole system will transmit the energy. When I started digging into it, it turned out to be that that U zero point fifteen rating. It's the same on both the steel door slabs and a fiberglass door slab. From many different manufacturers, various component manufacturers, so the steel door slabs come from five, six, seven different manufacturers. Those fiberglass door slabs come from five, six, seven different manufacturers. Yeah, but isn't it fair to say
1: that if you're getting it from different manufacturers, you're still using a similar gauge steel, same foam. Aren't those steel doors all going to be relatively in and around the similar range, or are they going to be dramatically different?
0: They're not gonna be dramatically different, but you've got builder's product and you've got retail product. So you've got stuff, uh, sorry, builder's great. So you've got stuff that's used for new subdivision where you've gotta get 26 gauge instead of 24. You have styrofoam instead of high density uh, polyurethane foam.
2: Ah, so There's that's the difference maybe. Yeah. Because we've cut doors after removing them. We wanna, we've always heard that the steel conduction breaks down the fiberglass or the insulation inside the door. When we opened it up, we found that all the steel doors had dust at the very bottom and there was no more spray foam in the door. But when we did it to a fiberglass door, it was still there. It wasn't broken down. So you're saying that where I may have learned something wrong was it depends on what kind of spray foam you have in your door. Like a closed cell versus like a half pound to a two pound. So that may be a big difference. And I may have learned something right now that steel and fiberglass conduct exactly the same
0: but it depends on what kind of insulation you have inside the door. Is that the correct? I'm pretty sure it is. I would very like someone to call me up on this and say, Andrew, you're full of shit and show me data (laughs) that actually will prove me wrong. But I did go and I found that they're all essentially what they'll do is when you go for the brochures, they give you like the R value of the foam and Mm. it's all the same foam. So now you go into builder's grade stuff. Yeah, you got like Styrofoam, which is obviously lower R-rating.
2: Usually it's half pound for... Yeah, for so it's
0: basically, I cookie guess cutter
2: houses. So Something you like want to... Okay, if you're door shopping, you want to pay
1: attention to the gauge of the metal. Yeah. The, if it's a steel door, If yes. it's a steel door, but also the... The, the type if, of insulation. The so. type of insulation. Regarding fiberglass, what are we paying attention to? Are there different grades of fiberglass? Mm, good question, Manny.
0: Not the fiberglass itself. But fiberglass doors are built differently depending on a manufacturer.
1: From manufacturer to manufacturer, the way they do fiberglass doors is different. From a component manufacturer, different structural frame inside. I'm going to go back to crown molding or whatever. And some guys reinforce it with mesh, plaster, crown molding. Some guys don't. So I'm assuming with a fiberglass, maybe they don't make it as thick or add as much fiberglass into the mix.
0: What actually holds the door straight is the internal frame. And that is actually another difference between a steel door, a typical steel door, and a typical fiberglass door. What's going to happen is with the steel door, you have essentially about an inch of wood going all the way around. And you've got a log block, which is 4 by 12, where your log goes in. So when you're drilling out those log op- openings and you see that like, chunk of wood in there, that's only about 12 inches tall. Unless you custom order, the special order, the door that's going to have it all the way top to bottom. The rest of it is just one inch going all the way around.
1: Am I fair to assume that if you're doing a multi-lock system, the wood is all the way from the top to the bottom or no? No. No, it's not. You can, you can do it with a regular I thought door. everybody these days is all doing multi-lock. Is that true?
0: No, it would be amazing if they did. Cause that I'm also, a fan of multi-lock. It's a very different feel. It closes so much better. It presses the door into the frame better mm-hmm. throughout the whole length as opposed to that one little latch on the bottom of the irregular lock. That's the whole thing that's holding your door. And to think about it, it's not really does much. I want
1: to get back to the door. So right? fiberglass
0: a- doors have... Oftentimes, bigger internal frame, and it's not wood, it's LVL or LSL. So engineered Ooh. wood, six, seven They're times stronger. They're
1: putting LSL into these doors as well? Yeah. Really? I'm already liking I fiberglass
0: more and more every second. So basically, That's my next
1: question. I'm sure Carlito and I are going to get to the point. Andrew, what kind of door would you go towards?
0: I personally would go fiberglass because, one, fiberglass versus steel skin. Fiberglass doesn't dent. Fiberglass, wooden rust. So now, if you scratch a steel door with rust, unless you touch it up, what I see right now very often is I'm opening up doors. I'm still doing inserts every so often. So I'm opening up steel doors. There's moisture buildup under. The insert condensation. Condensation. That was either more
2: conduction in the steel.
0: In the steel doors, what it will do is it will sit in there and it will eventually rot that door. Wow. Now we don't see that I didn't know on that. every door, but I've started paying attention Love recently it. after seeing some doors that were completely obliterated. You have dust bleeding from under the no. glass. Because someone seen did it. someone did an insert off the truck. They didn't seal the molding that's holding the glass in the door properly. It was leaking water. It was standing on the bottom where the glass meets the bottom, the steel edge. And uh, that water was standing in there. Rod the steel out. The door is maybe like five years old or so. So fiberglass is just basically is a little bit more foolproof, I guess, because uh, that composite, that fiberglass material but price is price point
1: gonna... now. So if I'm if you're comparing apples and apples, fiberglass versus steel, how much cheaper is the steel, or is not cheaper?
0: It is cheaper. Fiberglass. So we've got fiberglass skin. We've got bigger internal frame that is LVL or LSL depending on a brand, and that Which frame is amazing. goes top to bottom so that lvl block is going to go top to bottom the entire length how much cheaper is steel though are we talking 10 20 30 i actually operate off of the specific cost differences when i build up price for the client so i give them all of these options there's a certain functionality and there's certain aesthetics right and we can sometimes meet certain aesthetics both with steel and with fiberglass right But so slab to slab so slab to slab You've got steel door versus smooth skin fiberglass, yes. three hundred and fifty dollar difference.
1: Over the cost of what over of? the
0: cost of let's say a single door, which would go say fifteen hundred dollars or so steel, and so it will be like $19, 18, 15, 19 for a fiberglass. fiberglass so you
1: you're kinda like twenty percent.
0: Something like that. So a little it's bit per less. it's per door slab. Again, this is specific to a manufacturer that I'm working with. Someone might be pricing it a little bit different based off who's building their door and how they decide to price that production. Now, you also have wood grain fiberglass. We What's were the difference talking, there? That's
1: just the difference of the actual look. look. Yeah, That's all it is. It's got nothing else to do with anything else. And it's right? got a
0: higher price to it. Oh, so yeah. This you have is to. What, so this is that situation where you have clients and they come to me and they say, I want a very durable door. I'm gonna go fiberglass, but it could be smooth fiberglass, and the difference between that smooth fiberglass and a steel door is $350. Someone says, "No, you know what? I want a fiberglass door because I want a wood-looking door without the maintenance or the $20,000 cost of a wooden door." That's when we go from $350 difference to $600 or so per for single door wood grain composite frame costs more than the regular composite frame wood grain fiberglass door slab costs more than the smooth fiberglass door slab again this is per the manufacturer that i'm working with someone might have a different experience with that this is where it's kind of cool to see different people trying to do different things there's two things i really Mm -hmm.
2: first of all now i understand why I always assumed that when I saw a rusty steel door, it was from water damage from the exterior. I've now learned something that there's condensation buildup and that's why these doors are rusted in the bottom typically. Even more important, I want people to know that when you do a steel door, you can use pretty much any paint, but when you use fiberglass, you have to use a proper primer before you paint the doors. Normal, paint, that. normal paint can peel off a fiberglass, fiberglass? that's right. So you got to be careful when, and this is just for people that are buying fiberglass doors. They need to be aware that if it's not already coated for paint and you are painting it afterwards. Andrew, is that because I, I kind of want to say bullshit,
1: Carlito, but is that true? or?
0: I think it's all in the prep. I think. Well, as soon uh, as you
1: prep a, a door, regardless if it's metal or fiberglass and you've primed it and painted it. Can't you just paint it
2: a different color? If you prep it again, you'll get peeling, man. Will it peel? Yeah, I know. I guess it's happened to me before.
0: Yes and no. So steel doors come pre-finished white already. Right. and you can go right on top of it as long as you just like lightly sand it and clean it well. With fiberglass, it's much harder to get the paint to stick. We don't use regular like latex Benjamin Moore paint. It will probably hold up. <laughs> it will probably hold up, but to be honest, I don't know for how long because the stuff that typically would be used in a retail production door. The paint that they're using is more like car paint. It's solvent-based, it's oil based Again, different companies use different products. I
1: need to get into the doors. There's still yes. other components of the doors. Tons. I want to figure out what the difference are regarding hinges, locks, strike plates. Yeah. What makes the big box bad doors versus your doors or other more luxurious kinds of doors? Are you using ball hinges? Yes, yeah, good
0: point. Hinges had been essentially a mainstay of retail. Door industry builders' doors again are using regular hinges. Now, even let's, with let's, uh,
1: sorry, just for one yeah. second, I don't want to interrupt you for one second. Yeah. I just want to explain ball bearing hinges to the stupid people out there, clients, what it is and what the difference is because they really don't know what the difference is other than the. Let's cost. just say I'm educated. <laughs> <laughs> um, that was wasn't snuck in there for a second. No, <laughs> uneducated. <laughs> what is a ball bearing hinge versus a regular hinge? And you are being educated
0: <laughs> right now. <laughs> as we go along with the podcast. So you look at the regular hinges and they've got two parts that are joined together and the weight of the door pushes down on it. Eventually it'll it'll bleed that black metal dust because of the pressure. Yep. And the heavier the door is, the worse it gets. That is possibly maybe the reason why I've been pushing to and trying to evolve. My doors are very heavy. Ideal custom metal work pretty much on every second project you have
1: to use ball bearing so
0: i have like doors that are 150 pounds 120 pounds per door slab like yeah. not the entire system. We're yeah. talking just the door slab alone. Try to lift it with that metal grill. So ball bearings are built in between the two parts of the hinges that are connected together in between the two halves. And what they do is they take some of that friction away. It will not bleed that dust. It will work a lot smoother and it'll work a lot better. If it's a heavy door, you'll see a noticeable yeah. difference. In yeah, how like pit, smooth
1: picture, picture a cylinder that's got a, a ball bearing inside of it and it's cradling inside of it. And then that's what moves it. So when you open and close the door, it's very smooth. Yeah. Very, we, very well,
2: smooth. Well, I think you said it earlier. It's like rollerblades. The more perfect the bearing, the less friction there is.
0: We're actually, like, we can go into even more detail. Those are trust bearings, not regular ball bearing. Uh, like, not regular ball bearing. So, so it's what's the one difference on... between a ball bearing and a trust bearing? So, trust bearing, you got two rings one on top of another like oh. a ball bearing that's inside a wheel you have smaller and bigger one balls in between yes yes so trust bearing is when you got hmm. one on top of another with balls in between so that's two that's Many when the like pressure the is put on top of it. <laughs> balls are the best yeah um i, I, just, I think this is the, the first time
1: this is the first time on the podcast this is the spoken a lot about balls.
0: Uh, is it? No, uh, yeah. I'm pretty sure it's been a lot. No, there's been a lot of talk about caulking, but not mm, balls. We'll, we'll get to that. Sorry, okay. sorry, I I didn't know about <laughs>
1: trust balls versus we'll ball bearings. We'll get to that,
0: and we'll get to sausage caulking specifically. Oh,
1: okay, that, that's okay. part of the install. That's, that's very, part extremely very important. important. Okay, so, so, so the hinges, that's the reason why, and I think, uh, you tell me, but ball bearings, it doesn't matter which one you're using versus regular hinges, three times the cost? So the funny Even thing more? is
0: there are different grades of those two. Oh, wow. The typical that you see right now which we used to use are like 50 cents difference which is why no. i'm still surprised that the builders 50 are not
1: cents difference per hinge
0: yeah why
1: don't if we just outlaw them... these freaking regular hinges then and just i know right i still then stupid
2: people can do them <laughs>
0: I still, um... and that
1: was
2: carlito by the way <laughs> uh, uneducated people
1: <laughs> but this is your uphill battle because you're trying to sell a better product that's gonna last longer. And technically speaking, you're basically losing money because you're not coming back to return to do another door for them in 5-10 years you're kind of convincing them to go this route so that you can return in 20 years to do another door or they can recommend you for another door. That's where you set yourself apart from other guys where you want to educate the clients and explain to them that 50 cents extra in hinges is worth it and then fiberglass is worth it. Grain is worth it. Composite is worth it. All these things are worth it but it starts to add up and all of a sudden they went in with their mindset of big box store, 500 350 bucks, whatever. But <laughs> the reality is you should be spending 1500 to $2,000, possibly 2500 5, 000, yeah, 5, or more, yeah, even more. Plus. plus this is your front door this is your first impression guests come over guests leave this is like this is and it should last a very very long time it's your time. character the front yes. door your is your focal character. point yeah
0: it's yeah. it's a okay. curb appeal i want to get into else. other components of
1: these doors and yeah. what so makes them. one
0: thing we actually switched from regular ball bearings to heavy duty ball bearings and then from heavy duty ball bearings to stainless steel heavy duty ball bearings hinges it turned out that the regular ball bearing hinges weren't good enough weren't strong enough first to expose to the elements they actually like when you they have crack. they actually start surface rusting you've got a door you've got a vent by the door it gets really 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 cold that hinge will may transmit a little bit of cold air in in certain situations and if that hinge is really close to the ground which with some doors it will be depending on the position of the hinge It'll suck the moisture out of hmm. the vent, out of the air. Interesting. It'll con- it will condensate on that only the hinge. Makes sense. Over time, these crappy ball bearing hinges will will have surface rust on them. Really? Also, you have outswing doors, the hinges are exposed to the outside and they will eventually rust, like within f- two, three years. So they may not fail altogether, but they will look like crap. And this is again, I don't want my client calling me and saying, Andrew, why don't why do you hinges look like crap
1: so you're using stainless steel truss ball bearing hinges
0: we'll just call them ball bearing hinges hinges. but they are stainless steel and they are heavy duty they're heavier gauge than what i typically see in the industry right now props to the factory that is building my doors. Can I mention that? Sure, I, of course. The factory I that is building my doors is called Ruskin Doors. Ruskin? Ruskin, yeah. Ruskin. Yeah, these are the guys that had been supporting me and had been listening to me for a very long time. They're kind of like family at this point. Yeah, they care. And they There's, care about improving because they stand behind their product. Because what I see very often in the industry altogether, it's a lot easier to make money not by supporting your product or making a very good product that you don't have to go back. It's much easier to pay five grand to a lawyer and i will have an expertly crafted warranty agreement that has so much fine print that's basically, you buy a door and two years later something fails on it.
1: You didn't read the fine print.
0: You call the man, you call the retailer that sold it to you. Retailer may push it onto the manufacturer or push it onto installer. We're back to pointing fingers. Or just, or just say, yeah, and wasting s- people's time. There's a small print in there and you should go fuck okay, yourself. Okay. That's a and- different
1: podcast. though. I don't want to get into that world right now. Other than the hinges and the slab and the frame, the composite, the threshold. The last remaining components are the well, actual we've
0: got quality paint, uh, right. So in yeah, there, the quality, which is, paint as which well. is not your regular, not paint Benjamin from the Moore, store not Benjamin Moore, something
1: closer to Sherwin Williams, please. If you're
2: painting a you know, fiberglass closer to like
0: commercial grade, <laughs> commercial car paint.
2: Grade. Be careful what, when you paint a fiberglass door, what paint you use. Take Crap note of that. Everything. I'll take my bullshit back that I said about Carlito
1: on that one. So now, <laughs> now we're actually the handle, the doorknob, the lever. strike plate the hardware hardware. the hardware so i'm guessing that the hardware is only as good as the actual seal the way you install it now we get into the installation part of it or is hardware just generic and beautiful jewelry are they all the same are we most are we going to pay the extra money for baldwin kind of stuff mtech or whatever right
0: there's two major different three major different types but Two that are used for regular doors, more just used for wood. For our doors, which are steel or fiberglass, we're using either regular lock or multipoint lock. This is a major difference because with. What is the
2: difference so people
0: know? Regular lock or commonly called tubular lock has two latches you've got the bottom latch that clicks in when you shut the door and then you've got your deadbolt which is what you turn when you are are locking your door and that's it the bottom latch is what kind of holds it still and then the top latch or deadbolt is what will prevent someone from kicking the door in Theoretically, multipoint lock or four point lock or high security lock is something that is a lot more common in Europe, like a lot, a lot more. There are a few different systems for each type. You'd have a lot of different manufacturers, but for tubular, there are hundreds. Whereas for multipoint in North America, you can access maybe half a dozen. When did
1: multipoint make its introduction to the North American market? What crafty european brought that baby into the house because i actually like that one man
0: i don't know the specific person <laughs> i think uh what i started seeing as a common use of multi-point lock and this is something we should talked about when we're talking about fiberglass doors fiberglass doors are known to be warping because Whoa. of canadian climate are they and warping?
1: i've never
2: seen a fire i've never door heard warp.
0: that before if they are very tall they When you say tall, eight Eight foot, foot. eight foot doors. There it is. eh? Wait
2: a second. So you're saying no, no to an eight foot fiberglass door with Mm -hmm. an LVL in
0: it. No, no to an eight foot door with a regular tubular lock in it. Because oh, but in a, uh, a multi point, yes, that's the whole thing. So, the thing. trick
2: is multi point.
0: So, what I started seeing at first, fiberglass when it came in, it didn't have that LVL because they were building it just like you would have a steel door, have one inch frame inside, and you two sheets of fiberglass, that's it. Turned out that fiberglass seems to be more pliable or, or you know, that that it bends easier. I guess steel is under tension when they wrap. People Hmm. started adding those multi-point locks, and that would be one of the very, very common thing that you would basically see someone selling fiberglass doors, and they would say, you know what? We only sell you fiberglass doors with a multi-point lock because it may warp without it i personally right now i would say if it's a regular height fiberglass door with the current supplier network that will back me up and with the current experience that i have i'm not afraid to sell it with a regular lock but i would prefer multi-point lock now multi-point lock has four points so it's got four latches. It's got one at the very top, one at the very bottom, one in the middle. Those would click automatically as you shut the door, and then you got the deadbolt, and that deadbolt, once you turn it, will lock up the entire system, meaning that with the regular lock, the top and the bottom are separate. Your top is locked. Your bottom latch, when you push that button, still goes in. It may allow you to force your way through the door easier. Multi-point lock, when it's locked, You've got to obliterate the entirety of the door jamb. Like when you're trying to kick in a multi point lock door, especially if it's been installed properly and everything, you'll be there for a while.
1: You know, that's a really interesting question. Do thieves actually go through the front door? Yes. Really? <laughs> I just take a reciprocating saw and cut around it. <laughs> no, <laughs> I would just look at basement windows or other windows, or is it because breaking glass makes noise? Probably. The, I wouldn't want to tackle a front
2: door. Actually, would I would rather good go for timing. a second floor window. Yeah.
0: Very good timing for the podcast. Between December and uh, I would say February, the biggest amount of break-ins. No, wow! I've I've literally talked to the cops. Is that because
2: of the season of depression and money? Um,
0: I think money. I think people going away. Uh, and leaving their wow. homes unattended. I think people Great broadcasting point. how much fun they have on holidays and someone's well, looking and that that. people do their thing. Anybody whatever. who's
1: following me, whenever I go
2: away, I'm actually not But you away. know what, Manny? <laughs> A lot of people don't think like this.
0: They don't think about
2: breaking something. Okay, I want to get
0: back on track, though. So, multi-point lock, <laughs> multi-point lock. one, gives us better security. Two, gives us connection of the door to the frame throughout the whole length as opposed to one spot which means that it's pushed into the door jamb into that weather stripping better and more equally, which means that they will be sealed up better. Three, it's locked into the door jam throughout the whole length. It's got nowhere to go. It cannot warp. Even for regular doors, I really would prefer people to go and so use what's multi-point the, what's more. What's the
1: price upgrade to go multi-point versus just...
0: That's the thing. With regular locks, with tubular locks, you've got 50,000 different manufacturers. You can go and buy cheap crappy lock for $90 on sale at Home Depot. I'm not talking about like Weiser or Schlag, which are half decent but but like the no name stuff that you see at Home Depot for like 150 bucks. And then you've got the nicer locks. And then you've got your mid range like Schlagenweiser and then you've got Baldwin and m tech and stuff like that.
1: Cause I don't want to compare Weiser, or Defiant or any Home Depot stuff. I want to take two locks.
0: So, so okay. you've got a
1: Baldwin that's a tubular lock versus a Baldwin that's a multi-lock.
0: Baldwin doesn't make multi-point locks. They but, don't.
1: Okay, so whoever. Yeah. Like us so say is, I is a regular door lock 500 bucks and a multi-lock 2000 bucks? What's the price difference here?
0: Everyone sells them for different amounts of money. This is where I would have a different approach when i price my doors out i go a lot more cost plus overall markup but okay but hang on a second so I'm the client yeah. right
1: and i want to know what's the price difference between multi-point versus a regular you lock. you got
0: a good quality regular lock say mtech tubular 400 or so
1: and their multi-point version is how much
0: and a multi-point which would be a different manufacturer would be about 650 or so, so seven you're talking it's like but that's four points that's four points. That's two hundred
2: dollars uh, difference. To keep your door square, to keep it, and so no one can break in.
0: Yes. Again, this is with me airtight. going more by cost difference, which I'm okay. Client knowing that someone else might be selling that multi point for fifteen hundred bucks. Someone is selling it for three grand. Honestly, I've seen that too. I think this no, is where... No, I just want to try to get an idea of what, how much extra... It's not that it, much. It's not that much more money in the be. grand scheme of things. It is more expensive and not a lot of people understand that.
1: I've always said this and Carlito knows this is that you don't... When you're door shopping, you don't go line by line item and try to figure out what the cost of this door is going to be. You figure out everything that you actually need. So if you have a 96-inch tall door...
0: You need a multi-point lock.
1: You need a multi-point. That said, there's no, so, there's so, no other option so at so this when things, I do that. Yeah, so these things start to add up. You need the ball bearing hinges, right? Which are standard. Which and, is standard. And, but, and the hinges
2: should be inside, well, not I'm sure, outside.
1: I'm sure there's jokers out there that do sell 96-inch doors with regular hinges. I'm assuming there's with jokers With regular out locks with regular locks. So that's okay. what I'm saying. So these like, these are all the little things that you do need that add up to the cost of your door. There's
0: 3 million details. And the thing is every little detail is important. What happens is you're going to have the weakest link and that's going to screw up your whole door in, in some way.
1: But how much higher cost are we talking about? I, I get that other manufacturers. Two, 300 more. That's the parameter that you're dealing with. So at that kind of price range, it makes sense to go to multi, even if you're going with an 80 inch door it still makes sense yes. to go with a
2: multi-year yeah, right? investment. It yes. better be a right to investment.
1: So what's the last component of this door now? The seals? Good yes, question, Manny. We Weather stripping. You yeah. can
0: basically ask me about any component and I'll give you a few- 15 hour lecture, but no, not the weather stripping. I would say glass. So because, if you're putting an
1: insert, right?
0: Yeah. Cause that's a way to, uh, give your door more personality. Cause you've got a lot of standard stuff that is very, very common throughout the industry. You can try and find people that are doing something different. Myself being one of these people, but there are more out there. I hope.
1: So you're doing these glass inserts yep. that you're coming you're customizing the metalwork inside. Yeah. It, they're not China off the rack. It's all customized. Yes. So a client comes in, and they'll give you a design, and you'll design something? I have a
0: library of hundreds of the designs that I've oh, drawn wow. over the years. And
1: this is all, what kind of metal is this? Quarter-inch to three-eighths steel, depending powder on And you powder-coating this stuff? Powder-coated,
0: put between the two pieces of tempered glass. It wow. will never
1: fade, it will never change? And
0: It will not fade. The finish on the metal will not fade. Powder-coating is very, very durable. And You've got glass seal- that's tempered, oh. um, which is like a... Side window of a car, very hard to break. If you do manage to break it, it'll uh, shatter into little pieces. So it's kind of security and safety in one. Okay,
1: so now back to the glass, because I know that I've always been restricted regarding getting glass inserts for clients where the frame sucks. Are your frames a lot better? You know what I'm talking about? The, the molding frame. that holds the glass in the door. So the molding goes back to the big box bullshit molding with those little friggin' pieces of plastic that- The
0: little round ones, the plastic
1: I can't stand that shit, right? It's garbage. You're molding around the glass. What is, you, you have different types of moldings?
0: There's PVC and there's also starting to make appearance aluminum, which is a little bit more durable. Aluminum? Slowly, still more of a hard to get option, but some manufacturers allow it. PVC frames would have better seal because they have rubber liner on both sides, as opposed to just a little bit of caulking on the outside. They also don't have the ugly plugs and we'll have a strip that goes up the backside and that covers all of the screws in, once in one line. That's so you're looking from the front and you're looking from the back, they look identical. You cannot see the plugs or anything like that. Classy. It looks very clean and you've got different profiles, a more detailed profile, like classical profile, and you've got a contemporary profile, which is cleaner.
1: And so cutting that insert for the glass doesn't structurally...
0: Because we're not cutting into the structural frame.
1: So the frame, you we're still just have the composite frame of the door, depending on whichever door it is, but you still have the frame of the door that's structurally sound.
0: Yeah. So when, when we're cutting out an opening, we are just cutting foam.
1: And these inserts, they can price-wise, they can go from what to
0: what? $550 to $1,000, depending on how far you want to take it.
1: Because it's always nice to let some glass in it. And I'm assuming that most people would choose like a sandblastic glass. I don't, I don't glass. like it. Sandblasted like glass doors. Sa- I'd, I'd like the light coming through, but I mean, sandblastic glass,
0: you've got different types of privacy glass that you can use, which will have different looks and different levels of privacy. You can always see a little bit of a shadow and some glasses, you can see that shadow. The person be standing five feet away from the door. You can still see them and some glasses you take one step back like that. Some blasted glass kind of almost disappear. Those are the different glass types. And then you've got like the designs that are put in between the glasses.
1: So now we've got the door, right? So Mm -hmm. we've got lots of options of doors. And now it's time to install
2: this door. Well, hang on a second. Are we covered with the weather stripping? Pump the brakes. Is there anything to really
0: worry about? Experimenting with the different seals on the bottom, that rubber strip on the bottom. Those seem to not always function the way the manufacturer intends them to be. And they leak water and air and stuff like that. And the
2: felt always rips off. So it's actually
0: not felt it's either rubber fins or a combination of rubber fins and sort of these bubbles that are pushed into the into the uh, door cell into the the threshold
1: i've never seen that is that new
0: not very new but again builders doors they don't No, i don't like dealing um, with builders doors the only reason i buy a
2: builder's door is when i need a construction door
0: so yeah the weather shipping around the door you'd have certain types that are more standard and what uh, would
2: you use it being the Top end of it.
0: We use compression foam because it's easy to work with if you dial in just right. There's also magnetic, which is really only uses for steel doors because it attaches itself to a steel door. But it's so it, compression foam
1: is what like neoprene? I guess it's like it's, a Z, right?
0: Yeah, it's like a Z. It has a like a plastic coating on the outside and oh. inside it's foam, and then the door presses against it and wouldn't let the air inside.
2: And why can't you get those in black all the time? You can. You can. Now you, you can. You get them, them in now. white,
0: black, because brown, and beige. Because it's been a problem for years. People- well,
1: because paint-wise, the industry was afraid. You can correct me, Andrew. The industry was afraid of black because it would fade depending on the direction of the house. And they were nervous that the warranty would be an issue With at that better point.
0: paint, you don't have to worry about it anymore. I've heard some horror stories, never had any issues with my own painted doors. Yeah, again, you, you've, got, you've got a lot of components and the industry is evolving very, very, very slowly. And we're talking more people who are smaller introducing new things. And then the bigger guys kind of slowly adopting those as well.
2: And I want to pick your brain before we lose time. What do you think about double doors and removable centers? Like you can have a single door, but then you can have a front double door and you can remove the center so that you can move furniture in and out. What do you think of that?
0: Typically that piece in the middle, which is called astragal, would be attached to one of the doors. And you'll have those two bolts one goes up one goes down that's what fixes your stationary door so called stationary door in place that, that's still a, a perfect seal like that's perfect weather You've, it's much harder to dial it in well single doors are easier in that way double doors are much 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 harder that bottom corner between the two double between the double doors is a very hard spot to detail perfectly and then st- in certain situation when you have say very very big like field and a wind picks up and there's big wind up, like air pressure. You have sometimes clients coming in and they sort of like put their face against the door and uh, <laughs> like they go all the way down and they put their face against the door. You can feel that slight draft when it's minus twenty outside and it's blowing against the door. I'd we really love for our doors to seal like the submarine doors when you just like turn the uh, <laughs> turn the thing and it just goes boom 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 I and it's it. vacuum sealed. Unfortunately, that's not what it is right now. In fact, all of the energy start standards and stuff like that, they allow for certain air transmissions. Kind of okay to have a tiny little bit of a draft. You're more likely to have it on a double door than on a single door. But it really all is about how the, the stripping is detailed, how the doors are lined, how everything's installed.
1: Installation. You and your guys come onto the job site. You have the crappy door that was there. Walk us through removing that old door and installing this new door.
0: You have an existing door in there, which Could be old, could be actually relatively new. I've ripped out doors just last week. I've ripped out a three-year-old door. Why? Because it wasn't working very well. I would assume that the client more changed because of the appearance. When I'm taking the old door out, I see that they did a very, very, very basic minimum installation, which is a little bit of foam, no sealant under the threshold. Silicone,
1: no sealant under there.
0: No sealant under there. So if if you have like consistently water going in there, eventually it'll get and it'll go through. And And do you you use caulking or silicone? 100% silicone. There are different manufacturers. You'd have Dow, you'd have AdFast, you'd have many others. What I'm actually doing right now is I'm waterproofing the opening before I drop the door in there.
1: You're putting some sort of a membrane?
0: Yep. G-Tape, which is a lot easier to work with than Blue Skin. But Blue Skin is something that we started with. And then I kind of picked up the G-Tape from some of the Framer guys. It's a good product, but there are other ones there too. Sure. And stuff like that. I find that I started taking out the doors. I, I started seeing a lot of the water damage that really should not even be there. A typical procedure in the industry is just like, take the old door out, drop the new one in before the client sees the mess, cover it up, go run away. I believe that. Because then they're not going to see, I mean, maybe 10 years later, they realize, oh, we have mold in the basement because that door had started leaking 20 years ago. The new door was dropped in and it kept leaking because the leak was going from the top through the door down. The people who installed the new door didn't bother to say anything. The amount of times that we open up and the subfloor under the door is rotten, more often than not, it happens when there's no overhang. These are high risk. It also happens with regular doors that have roofs that are just leaking, and it leaks into the wall, and it goes down the stud, and it sits there on the bottom. The code doesn't call for waterproofing, so no one does. Oh, uh,
1: yeah, anyway, uh, fuck the code. Yeah. So the thing is, um, <laughs> you, you, so I, back to g tape. What's the widest width that it comes in? Four inches?
0: I think it comes wider than four inches, but I just use four inches and I overlap it, and, overlap I, and it, right? I stretch it. Okay.
1: So now you're taking out the old door. I
0: taking out and, the old and door, and there is
1: some rot damage. So I'm assuming that you're the kind of installer and all. Also supplier that you're gonna repair that wood yeah instead of leaving it because first of all any g-tape or any memory it's not, it, it's not gonna adhere to it right what other bullshit are they using regular great stuff bullshit on the foam spray foam on the sides is that what they're using for their filler
0: very first thing no one wants to spend time preparing the opening because they're gonna they wanna take it out, they wanna drop the new one in. Yeah,
1: that's totally. Yeah. So
0: to waterproof something, you have to actually prepare the opening so that it's flat and level. And when you have retrofit, you have 50 different build types and subfloors and types of things that they use to finish the door. And it's and you gotta know how to, this whole thing works to be able to pair it properly. No one wants to do that. So one, you actually want a level opening, you want a flat piece of maybe a plywood or something like that. If you don't have a proper subfloor, you have to prepare it. I would waterproof it. Are you
1: waterproofing uh, all four sides?
0: I would go bottom and up the studs. If it's exposed, I will go all the way up the studs on the top.
1: So now it's time to install
0: the door? You prepare the opening. It's flat on the bottom, which means that you're not going to be sticking the shims under the door to level it, because that's the problem. You, If you're trying to have a waterproof seal under the door it's going to be flat all of the time that you have to spend preparing that opening no one wants to do that they're just going to drop it into an uneven floor and just stick the shims underneath and of course it's going to leave which
1: is incorrect
0: uh, which is incorrect but that's how it's usually done put nice thick beads of sealant underneath put the door in there level the freaking thing like level it properly because your drywall is never going to be level
1: you mean plumb, right flush um, Hang on a sec. You mean plumb, right? I mean you're, you're, vertical.
0: I mean vertically yeah, plum. level, plumb. Yeah. So what's going to happen is the, the most common thing that I've heard was uh, my drywall is my level.
1: Who's told you that?
0: Some installers. <laughs> so so what happens is uh, the reason why. because I've never
1: seen a drywall installer with a level. I've seen them with a
2: T-square, drywall square. Nobody does levels it. So But no drywallers have levels in their no, tool bag. No, because they go to the stud. They're only as good as the framer. <laughs>
0: It starts at the framer. I, I really hope that some framers out there are using levels to frame the door openings because it's very important and it starts there and it creates a whole lot of issues if it's not. So then you have the, the door guys that are coming in and they're looking at the drywall and the vertical is not level. They're going to just put the door plump flush with the drywall even if it's not level and the door is going to swing open and close because it's not vertically It's not level vertically.
1: No, you can't do that.
0: You can't do that. But what they say is that, oh, but how am I going to install the casing, the trim on the inside?
1: There's a way to solve that problem. Yes,
0: you spend extra half an hour and educate yourself on how to do it properly, but no one wants to do that.
1: I care more about that door staying where it's supposed to stay when you open and close it, and, close properly. and, and locking properly, pro- everything functioning, so I don't give a because fuck about the drywall right
0: now. Because if it's not square, and if it's not level, it's not going to do its thing, it's not going to work very well. Now, I see that a lot more, because my door, if it's like 316 far out of level, it's going to swing open because it's so heavy. You can get away with lighter doors and you can put it like quarter inch or something like that off level and it may not even float because regular doorways nothing right it's just foam inside the stuff that's got my metal work inside it's, it's a lot heavier and so i have to be perfect and so i've been fighting an uphill battle of, of trying to convince people to do things that will take them more time and they would rather not take more money but go to someone else who doesn't give them shit. really yeah I mean, some people should not even be in the trades when they're in the trades, but it's a different story. The best a different case, podcast. That's a different <laughs> podcast. The okay, best so- case scenario I've seen so far is someone who is intelligent enough to do a great job, but doesn't do a great job. They do a mediocre passable job because they know that 90% of door companies are not going to care and they can put three doors in one day instead of one. And even though I would pay more for one, obviously it's not going to be that much more. Putting in three doors in one day, they'll make that much more money. And so like one of the smartest people that I've known, and I guess that's a way to look at it, they consciously... Cap their level of quality to a certain mediocre level that's out there in the industry to be able to do more volume to be able to do more money quality wise it doesn't work for me
1: you are setting a certain kind of standard for your business so i'm assuming you're setting a certain kind of standard for the installers and the work and all this other stuff we i understand it. i get that there's all these guys out there that do this bad work it's sad that it's they all do about that. attitude right right it's all about the attitude and i totally agree with you andrew hundred percent that they do cap their quality at a certain level because they want to get the hell out and move on to the next install and then move on to the next install because that's how they make their money but there's certain things when you're installing the door and you've got it plumbed now do you do anything different like special regarding the actual fasteners what kind of screws are you using where do you install them or all the doors a certain way or how do they design? Are you doing that age old trick behind the weather seal or what's the story?
0: In terms of hiding the screws, yeah, we try to make it aesthetically pleasing. So if you have hinges like a double door, you'd put it through the hinge. you got to shim it properly. You've got to secure the it properly. Through the hinge or
1: behind the hinge?
0: If it's a double door, you can put it through the hinge because you're attaching your door panel, your door slab to the stud. Because if you just attach the frame on a single door on a double door without the side lights, If you just attach the frame, it's it can move. If you attach the door slab itself, that's where your weight is. That's where your movement is. You're fine there. Yeah,
1: my problem about going through the hinge is the screw that they use. That's whatever three or four inches is never the same kind of screw that's used for the hinge itself for the door.
0: You can get them. You can get so you can get them them at that length you can get them four so four inch number 10 basically that 4 and and it'll, half it'll, inch it it'll number match
1: 10. it will match the other screws in the hinge
0: most of the times yes okay because yeah, i seen have the, to i've I, seen
1: guys uh, like take off the hinge and then put it behind
2: the hinge when i've installed doors i've never put it where the hinges is but that's my personal preference i i understand how you like to keep it nice and plumb i don't like to pull that hinge in i usually like to go in between i don't like to have that pull contact you know what I mean?
0: You pull it in and you lock it in with shims, right? Yeah. So you've got one, say we're doing double door. We got six points on the sides, two screws per hinge. That's that's gonna that's gonna carry a lot of a lot of weight and you're locking yeah. those points in. Now then what you would also do is you're gonna foam it. And if you're using nice foam, especially, it will cure and it will actually add more kind of rigidity Structural. to that whole structure because yeah. that's the other thing you look at builders doors or regular doors You, it's that pink fiberglass insulation yeah the door can that's move useless. around like crazy when you're foaming it it's going to fill up the cavity it's going to solidify and it's going it to keep the door solid expansion. and stable yeah yes it, there's, there's I, I don't certain... think a lot of
2: people so, know this but they put a high expansion in and then the door warps and then they blame the door
0: yeah you gotta know how to foam. even low expansion can warp your door you gotta know how to how to you gotta layer it layer it proper temperature shake the freaking can for actually for a minute and a half it does work there's a difference how it behaves. You shake it for 30 seconds, you shake it for a minute and a half. There's. It, we've been using foam forever. It's just that I switched through several different types until I found the a one nice that I one. like. And what do you use? Hilti. I wow. like Hilti. Wow, uh, Hilti.
2: And it comes to you from Hilti. 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 Not sponsored by <laughs> Okay. Hilti. No, it's not sponsored
1: because their lawyers will not attend the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. The door is installed. The door is The door is perfectly
2: now we're on the outside and it's time for some cock is oh that right and this is the big problem some guys leave such a big space that their cock what's your industry is standard
1: the- andrew what do you what do you what space do you leave the brick mold to the actual brick or whatever finished cladding outside so
0: a very common practice in the industry which i personally disagree with is is pre-installing the brick mold which saves time you cannot fit it as nice because even new construction, the uh, brick or, or stone, whatever they're using, is not gonna be perfectly straight. So you're gonna have like bigger and smaller gaps, and you're gonna have a hard time foaming it too. Because ideally, you wanna foam on the outside, you wanna foam on the inside. You got two layers of foam, yeah, right? You got the right. outside and Most you guys got the only do it
1: on the inside.
0: Exactly. They and they, they hope through. and
1: pray that the foam goes all the way to the brick mold.
0: It's also about creating a certain kind of an insulated space. So you've got foam in the back, foam in the front, and then you've got a little space in between that'll drain water if it gets in there.
1: I like that. you. So the brick mold comes off. You install the brick mold after the door's been installed.
0: The door's been installed. Foam, the brick mold is measured to fit nice and tight. A bit of caulking before you drop it in. You put it in. Now, I I would nail it. Silicone or caulking? Uh, silicone caulking. Like, it's still caulking when it's silicone. It's just uh, the, the type of, of material that, that is used. Very often, what happens is the brick mold to stone or brick or something like that, sealant that's used there, is thermoplastic, uh, which is somewhat cheap. Pretty easy to use because it dries and it flattens itself, so you don't have to tool it. Okay. And it comes in a variety of colors. And because of that, it's a very, 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 very common product in the industry right now which if you talk to any specialized caulking guy any guy who specializes specifically just does caulking hello remus vanguard caulking (laughs) shout out sure no uh, i've heard of him no no
1: i've used vanguard Yes, you know you know
0: so the problem with that is that firm plastic shrinks and there's a very specific way you have to use it it has to be a very tight gap and it has to be a smooth it's like straight surface instead the guys would try to cover like a 5.8 hole yeah, with wrong. Supra, it shrinks, it pulls off the substrate, it pulls off the wall. You have a gap, the that's water wrong. goes in there and that's messes wrong. up your that's door. Bullshit. Wrong. So basically what happens is if you're using you know, the, that sausage applied caulking, the one the big guns, you, you take so much more time and you have to learn how to tool it. You have to learn how to apply it. The product itself is a lot more expensive. Stiff. Too, and it's harder to <laughs> apply it <in> everything too. <laughs> so... <laughs> So that's one thing that I see very commonly commonly that I'm not a huge fan of. I, I I'd go I'd go sausage, I'd go just just <laughs> He can't take me anywhere yeah. for sure. <laughs> All right. So Andrew,
1: unfortunately we gotta wrap this up, man.
2: Uh, uh what there's did, so much more. The, well, wait, but okay, go. I was always told to leave a quarter inch. No more no less. to the And that's so that the caulking can anchor itself in there. So it doesn't go too far in but it won't pull out
0: you don't want to have big gaps if you have big gaps use backer rod no
2: but i'm saying like a quarter inch is really the allowance that we want around a, a door or a window
0: aesthetically yes but you you really like when you're retrofitting you might sometimes go to like much wider it may be it's it's much harder to make it look good and I personally actually am not at that level where I can always make it look as perfect as I want it to be, but it comes out nice.
1: No, but I've seen guys take the time and effort to actually shave the brick mold and contour it to the actual brick. Yeah. So then you'll go tighter, scribe, that's interesting. scribe it, and then leave the quarter inch. So then you're not going with a perfect plum where one side is a quarter inch gap and then the other side is probably five eighths to three quarters of in a gap. You scribe it. You take the extra effort and you scribe it and you get a quarter inch gap throughout and then you put your cock in and that looks a lot cleaner all that is is it goes back to the installer taking the time and effort to do this instead of having to get it
0: done to get the fuck out
2: i just really want to know are there customers out there that appreciate quality
0: yes i've learned to find them i guess or they learn to find me eventually uh, I think you build up a certain reputation, so and stay, a certain people low. will draw, will get drawn to you. I think more and more people are starting to become, well, more educated, not necessarily smarter, but more educated. You still have to keep telling them how things work. I think that's a big problem in the industry. Too people, too many people try to skip over things. I'd really love to do like a four hour podcast because that will allow me to do, to scratch the surface a little bit more. Honestly, hang on one sec. I got to just hit the door. Wait a second. Run. Run. No. No, I got a
1: question. I got a question. I got a question. What's the most expensive door you've ever installed?
0: There's a few I've done. I mean, my projects are not very expensive in comparison to some because I would take even a a basic single door, but I go up to the, the more interesting ones that we've tackled lately. There was a single door with two side lights that had a curved top like with wooden doors, but we did it with fiberglass. So an arch. An arch. And above that was an arch transom. So, transom had arch two transom? arches. So, arch transom above an arch door. And they had two different radiuses, and we had to marry them in a certain way. Holy cow. And God. it had a custom metalwork inside there. So, that was, I think, about 14000 15000 or so. Um, um, that's pretty
1: reasonable. I thought that, yeah, that's not second
0: more. I'm, I mean, I mean it is, it's a lot of money, but... There's a lot of cool stuff that I'm doing with a, with a custom design metal work where it is like artwork based. Mm-hmm. So drawings and stuff like that. So I'm working on a project right now where it is a custom size, really, really narrow black doors with black glass in them. If anyone's been looking at like my Instagram stories and whatnot. What's, what's not, black glass? So there's actually glass that is black. Now we actually went a different route. Instead of using the black black glass, That's we used automotive tint on it. <laughs> and it came out almost entirely well, so you're black. Tinting it. Yeah, and I had to go for, like, jump for a bunch of hoops to actually get that happen. And then on top of that door, on the outside, you will have polished metal grills with a custom design on that. Black door, black glass contrast with wow. silver metalwork wow. on the outside pull bars you have those silver pool bar handles multi-point lock because it's an eight foot door gonna have a little curved transom also with the black box sounds pretty sexy. so that one's uh yeah that one's gonna be amazing I was I, I I've been fortunate enough some people come to me with their ideas and I'm like whoa this is awesome let's do it
1: typically what's the turnaround on your doors when someone comes at you Are we, we're not talking like a week or two
0: what I tell them or <laughs> what it actually turns out to be
1: <laughs> what is it honestly like 12 <laughs> so, to, 12 to 14 weeks no not that
0: much not that much so i try to do within 6 to 8 6 to 8 weeks production time from the moment the orders put in to the moment uh, that we are installing so if burglar
1: season is uh, what were you saying december to february, february. when is door season
0: um March? February may, <laughs> <laughs> yeah actually a few but uh, may to may to December Summertime is when they want to do it Summer's time is when everyone wants to do it People anyone who's listening you can do a good installation in the winter you can you can work using certain materials certain techniques you can block the area where you work yeah. from the rest of the house yeah. no one does that
1: this is canada
0: so winter I have, doesn't stop us so another thing that i've been trying to get people on board with installers on board with you know those those plastic sheets that you use to, to block the dust off when you're doing reno so like yeah. general contractors are very familiar with it yeah. door installers are not why not because it takes extra five minutes to set up it takes away from their installation for five years i've been trying to convince installers to do that And then I had a mental breakdown of dealing with all of the issues and then started installing myself, which is what I've been doing. I've installed 80% of my own doors in the past three years. Oh, wow. Myself, uh, with helpers and other stuff. Uh, But um, But
1: you're learning from the the good, bad, and ugly.
0: The first three months, I'm getting the freaking, all of the thing cost me 200 bucks. You get the stands, you get the membrane. What it does, blocks the uh, dust out. But also blocks the cold air like 90 percent of it in the winter so i can do an installation like today i was doing an installation and i blocked the opening off and the client's fine inside i'm freezing my ass off but it doesn't matter but clients fine inside no dust no bugs in in the summer by the way and the pets are not getting out and the clients doesn't come that's a good point how many it.
2: contractors
0: let Dogs and cats.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: okay, we have to wrap this up. So what? Any more questions? Yes. Carlito. I have two more questions, no. and they're going to be fast. First, your handle. At Lusso Design Canada. L-U-S-S-O Canada. Mainly on Instagram. But I'm all, I also have Facebook. Luso Wait, hang
1: Canada. on a sec. Lusso Design Canada, right?
0: At Lusso Design Canada. Canada. Okay. Because you, you
1: spelt it out as uh, L-U-S-S Canada.
0: L-U-S-S-O Canada. Canada. Uh,
1: no, see? <skách Basket Khansar> so it's
2: L-U-S-S-O-D-E-S-I-G-N-C-A-N-D-A.
0: uh Phone number? 416-834-9905. Website? Lusodesign.ca.
2: I want to say one thing. Yes. When I was younger, I was known as the backdoor man. How long
1: uh, you been holding uh, that okay, one? Okay, it's going oh, there, yeah. Dude, <laughs> <no>. <laughs> you, Shut you know the what? front door.
2: Uh, yeah. I'm actually happy technology's changed because when I used to sneak in to see my girlfriends downstairs, I would I hated the door going. Mm.
0: <laughs> Ball bearing hinges man you gotta you gotta they don't do, do that bearing they hinges. don't do they don't that, do that. Yeah, okay anymore. i'm sorry
1: that we have to cut this short there because there's a lot more to talk about but i think we got a lot about it you I got mean, a lot
0: about to be honest if anyone has any questions
1: reach out to you
0: reach out to me i'm like i'm not like charging people i'm always happy to talk about this uh, oh, if, we someone, know. if someone, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've been told about that. So um, no, it's all good. It's it's excellent and I, actually, if anyone's if anyone's listening to me and 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 I've made a point and someone disagrees with that, I'd be happy to hear that too because uh, maybe someone's out there doing things better than me. I'm sure well, there's someone out there. Learn, that's how, we that's because, how you learn. That's how you learn. Because because take me ten years ago and I was just like everyone else yeah. because I was learning from the people that were already there and then I started evolving by just getting different sources of information and and realizing that there's just a better way of doing it without necessarily the price going up twice.
2: For sure. My last question, because I never got to ask it. If you could invent one thing to benefit construction, what would it be? Invent? In- invent. Invent. Something that you could invent that would change construction
0: uh a telepathical device that will not allow people to bullshit each other because the amount of bullshit that you have from idiot fucking salesmen that are pushing their agenda on clients instead of asking what clients want and meeting their uh, whatever they want like because because it's it's so easy the client comes to you the door serves a certain purpose it may have to look a certain way it may have to behave in a certain way it has nothing to do with the five pictures that you have in a catalog that you're trying to sell to the client you actually like there's ways to you do know things the one thing
2: i've learned uh, about sorry, you I, andrew no, is that's that's that fine, andrew. The, the great things about you that every other contractor should have is the passion the pride and the respect for the industry and i'm really happy that i wish we had more time i wish we had three more hours <laughs> uh, yeah <laughs> Andrew it was a pleasure. I for have learned I've learned me. a lot today
0: and uh, honestly there's so much more. Honestly. So much <laughs> but I mean we
2: just we planted the
1: seed so yeah. realistically and it's great that you're being grateful that way. Anybody want to ask Andrew, any more questions? Reach out to him. I think that when it comes to your doors, you should be asking a lot of questions. And all right, thank you again, Andrew, for coming thank in you for and, and, and enlightening us on, on doors and all kinds of doors.
2: And I think th- wait, I, I want to do something a little bit different. What? You play guitar? Yes. Can you can instead of me doing the beatbox, would you sing a door song? Come on, just like I'm not one. like a
0: big doors fan or like Riders doors like on a band the band doors.
2: Storm. Come on. You put doors in. You have to have a door. Riders song.
1: on the storm. Riders
2: <laughs> on. the <laughs> Storm. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Surprisingly, yeah. no door
0: songs okay. in this sorry. Maybe
1: it's Maybe it should have been a Doors song at the beginning. No, it was all good with that one. That was. I cool. thought it was
2: going to be the monkeys, I swear.
1: <laughs> Get us out of here. Andrew, thank you so much. Everyone, check it out. Luso Design Canada is the handle. And then it's www.lusodesign.ca. LusoDesignCanada.ca.
0: No,
1: lusodesign.ca. Oh, sorry. Luso What he said. Yeah, (laughs) 416 TO, baby. baby. I'm out of here. Yeah.
2: (laughs) I'm out the door, baby.